Welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, why not check out our website, birminghamvineyard.com. So I'm just going to pray quickly. Lord Jesus, help us to continue to fix our eyes on you. May you open our hearts to what you have to say to us this morning. Amen. So we're working our way through the book of Matthew at the moment in a series titled Clash of Kingdoms, where we're exploring the authority and power of King Jesus over the kingdom of Satan and how we can live well in this spiritual battle that we find ourselves in. Last week, we heard how Jesus began to send out the disciples to the lost sheep of Israel, uh, the Jews that had not heard the good news of Jesus, giving them authority to drive out impure spirits, heal every disease and sickness, proclaiming that the kingdom of heaven is near. To prepare ourselves for today, I thought we'd learn some sheep facts, okay? I've got some sheep facts for you from Hadlow College, who are an agricultural college in Kent. So my first sheep fact for you is sheep have rectangular pupils. Yeah, I know. So it means that they have a 270 to 320 degree field of vision. So they can see almost everything around them apart from what's directly behind them. So it's useful for looking for danger. Okay, second sheep fact. Sheep have an excellent sense of smell. They have scent glands in front of their eyes and on their feet. I'm not sure I'd want scent glands on my feet, but God knows what he's doing. Uh, Okay, third one. Sheep are emotionally complex animals. So, uh, well, studies have shown that sheep can feel afraid, angry, bored, sad, and happy. They can even be pessimists or optimists. Very interesting, isn't it? Yeah. And my last fact for you. Sheep don't have teeth at the top, at the front of their mouth. Instead, the lower teeth press up against the the palate on the top of their mouth to break down their food. There we go. So, sheep are pretty cool. And I hope that's not your main takeaway from today. But if it is, that's okay. (laughs) Today, we're going to look at our passage in three parts and see how we can follow Jesus, whatever life throws at us, through being dependent, trustful and devoted. So let's see why I gave you some sheep facts and read the first part of our passage for today, which is Matthew 10, 16 to 25. If you want to follow along, it'll be on the screen. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. Truly I tell you, you will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. The student is not above the teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for students to be like their teachers and servants like their masters. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebul, 
how much more the members of his household. So that's quite heavy stuff. Jesus' instructions to the disciples have taken a bit of a turn. They've gone from what they, were, what they were to do, getting excited about being able to do all these things, to warnings about what they should watch out for. And there seems to be quite a lot. Jesus is letting them know what they can expect as he sends them out to the lost sheep of Israel. So let's see how we can be dependent on Jesus. We read in verse 16 that Jesus sends out the disciples like sheep among wolves. Now we've seen how awesome sheep are, but were any of our facts useful against wolves? Yeah? Their sense of smell, yeah. They might be able to see and smell pretty well, but if they were to see or smell a wolf coming, they don't have any ability to defend themselves other than run and hope that the wolf attacks a different sheep. <laughs> so, sending out more sheep to lost sheep without a shepherd, as Jesus describes the Jews in last week's passage, seems a bit counterproductive then, doesn't it? So what's the difference between the disciples and the Jews that they're sending the, the gospel to. The disciples have a shepherd. Jesus isn't sending his disciples out defenseless. They have him as their shepherd to protect them. Sheep are completely dependent on their shepherd to keep them safe. So the disciples needed to be utterly dependent on Jesus to thrive amongst wolves. And this is Jesus's main message here. He's our good shepherd who lays down his life for us, who would do anything for and do anything to save each one of us. Jesus is the one who protects us, so we must be dependent on him. And he loves it when we are. So who are these wolves? The wolves that Jesus is describing here are people who proclaim a truth that is attractive, but draws people to themselves rather than Jesus. We read in Acts that uh, it says, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. Jesus knew that he was facing and was going to face opposition. The Jews around him had a very different agenda and were often completely opposed to the revolutionary message that Jesus was preaching. The Jews were expecting a Messiah that would heroically and probably violently come in and bring down the Roman Empire, restoring the people of Israel to their former glory. But this was not what Jesus had come to earth for. It was a much bigger and more eternal mission. I hope we all have areas in our lives where we encounter people who don't know Jesus for themselves. Picture who those people are for you right now, the first ones that come to your head who don't know Jesus, what would their response be if you shared the gospel with them? Jesus warns his disciples in our reading for today that they will be handed over to the council, flogged, brought before governors and kings, be betrayed, put to death, hated and persecuted. Fortunately for us here in the UK, we live in a society where we may be hated, we may be betrayed but we're not likely to be put on trial or flogged for talking about Jesus. However, many of you may have been to or lived in places where these threats are much more real, where the wolves appear to outnumber the sheep, where being a Christian is dangerous. 
So it's so important for us to take the time to pray for these people and places too. You may have particular people or places on your heart already, or you might be like me and want to educate yourself on the persecuted Christians around the world. And if so, the charity Open Doors and their website, um, which is on the screen, is a, is a great place to start to learn, and they have some really helpful, up-to-date prayer points too. All of Jesus' warnings did happen to the disciples, and many still happen today. The easy solution to this persecution? Stop living for Jesus. Jesus is quite clear that the walls will only bother us if we're obviously living for Jesus. If we don't want to be persecuted, we can just back down, stop living out our faith, and the persecution will go away. In fact, Paul tells us in his letter to Timothy that everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And I don't know about you, but I think this begs the question, if we're sitting here and not feeling like we're being persecuted, are we truly living how Jesus has asked us to? Do the people you know who don't know Jesus know that you do? It's a challenging thought. But Brother Andrew, who smuggled Bibles to the persecuted church, said this, the real calling is not a certain place or career, but to everyday obedience. And that call is extended to every Christian, not just a select few. We're not called to go looking for persecution. In fact, Jesus advises his disciples to move on from those places. But we are called to be obedient to where he is calling us and what he is calling us to do, whether that brings persecution or not. And I feel really challenged to press into this. Jesus makes it quite clear that living for him is not meant to be easy. But in the next part of our passage, he reminds us to trust him. So from verse 26, So do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed, or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. So we've seen how we can be dependent, and now we see in this passage how we can be trustful. Do not be afraid is the most used command in the whole Bible. It's used three, three times in just this paragraph. Jesus, here Jesus, is actually not saying, do not be afraid because God is with you, which you might expect from most other places we see it in the Bible. Jesus is saying that we don't need to be afraid in this instance because the worst that the enemy and his wolves can do to us is kill us. And he's come to defeat death. We're promised that the truth will be made clear. Justice will prevail and that all who have come to Jesus will be saved. When we follow Jesus and put him first in our lives, we don't need to be afraid of death because it isn't the end but a new beginning of a perfect, forever life with him. We can trust him completely.
It is easy to be fearful, though, isn't it? We are creatures of comfort. We like to have control over our lives and even the people around us. Sharing Jesus will upset the status quo. Talking about Jesus can feel like a big risk. The other day, I was at hockey training and I was talking about the young adults retreat with a few people in my team uh, as I was going to be missing the match that weekend. And we ended up chatting about church. Their minds were blown by how many young adults we have in our church. I think they thought the church was an, that church was an old people thing. Um, but then more of the team came over and one of them said, wait, who's the Christian? I put my hand up. But I thought I'd been quite open about my faith and what my job is, but it's clearly not as obvious as I thought. Had I been more open with certain people on the team than others, worried that some of them might treat me differently? Maybe. (laughs) I felt challenged to talk about Jesus more with them, even though it feels like a bit of a risk. And what is the reward for our risk that isn't really a risk long term? That more people will have heard the good news of Jesus. Jesus brings hope to a world that's lost its idea of meaning and purpose. Knowing Jesus brings a peace that can't be found in anything else. Jesus brings healing that is wider and deeper than we can access in our own strength. There's forgiveness in Jesus that literally brings new life. Don't you want everyone you know to have a relationship with Jesus that brings all that? It's worth the risk. The world that we live in does hate God. The devil does rule over our broken world. We will therefore get a reaction when we speak light into darkness. But Jesus wasn't trying to win a popularity contest. He didn't preach what people wanted to hear. It's so easy for us to soften the message so that people are more likely to like us and so that we fit in. But Jesus' disciples were told many times that what they were preaching wasn't allowed, that it didn't follow the rules, that there would be consequences worse than what most of us would face, but they didn't stop. I speak for myself and probably a lot of us when I say that we have learned to tone the message of Jesus down to make it more palatable for our culture and time. In the name of tolerance, it can be easy to affirm beliefs and priorities that are other than Jesus, even though we believe that Jesus is the only way. Jesus didn't preach what people wanted to hear, but he did preach what, we, what they and we needed to hear. When we know that Jesus loves us and is for us, there's much less to be afraid about. He comforts us in our worry, but we can also know that we don't need to worry. Jesus tells us that we're worth many sparrows. God is more than able to take care of us. And if God cares enough about the little sparrows to give them life, God cares about you and me so much more. If you struggle to know that Jesus loves you, if you struggle to really know that, and if worry, anxiety or fear feel bigger than his love for you, Please don't leave here today without getting some prayer. Jesus' love is for everyone, and there's nothing too big for him to overcome with his love that brings freedom. I've felt that recently, and it is wonderful.
So we're sent out like sheep among wolves, but we can and should depend on Jesus, our shepherd. We do not need to be afraid because not only is God with us, but we can trust that we have a future hope in him that is worth stepping out for. So the final part of our passage is about taking up our cross, about dying to self and being devoted to him. So from verse 32. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Okay, let's see how we can be devoted. Let's start with what Jesus is not saying in our passage. Jesus is not saying that we should leave our families, start arguments and make enemies of them. There's so much in the New Testament that, about the great importance of family and caring for them. So let's not forget that. Family division is not the goal here, but Jesus is warning that it is a consequence. Sometimes following Jesus, or even just doing the right thing, can mean doing things differently from the way our family does it. If you're the only follower of Jesus in your family, coming, to, coming along to church on a Sunday, or how you spend your money, or who you spend your time with, or how much you drink at the weekend, or how you want to raise your, fam- your, your family can be a big source of disagreement and tension. Family dynamics are disrupted, and there can be a terrible cost. Unless everyone agrees with what Jesus says, there won't be peace. When people make a decision about Christ, it's going to affect families. Disagreement causes division. It's going to happen. Jesus didn't come to bring peace because he brought much more than that. Jesus is talking about priorities. He's saying that what matters is allegiance to him. He should be and deserves to be on the top of every priority list. So Jesus tells us to pick up our cross. In the Roman culture that Jesus is living in, once someone had picked up their cross, about to be crucified, there was no going back. And the disciples didn't realise that Jesus would die in this way at this point. So Jesus was making it clear to his disciples that following him is literally an eternal life or death choice, with no looking back, giving Jesus all faith and loyalty. Then we can experience forever life with him. But resurrection life only comes through first dying. Dying to ourselves and embracing our identity fully in him. Dying isn't pleasant. Opening our hearts to him completely means sacrificing the things that feel good, but take us away from wholeheartedly living for Jesus. 
But Jesus deserves our full devotion. If anyone can ask for it, it's him. Jesus deserves all of us for who he is and what he's done for us. Jesus suffered and died for each one of us, defeating sin and death when he rose again and making a way for us to have a personal relationship with him, whoever we are and whatever we've done. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's Jesus or nothing. Only Jesus is worth being put above all others. He deserves all of us. Is there something that you haven't let Jesus into? Is there something that's stopping you from living wholeheartedly for Jesus? Is there something that you need to surrender to him today? Trusting him him with it instead of going with what feels good or right. He deserves all of us. And we're not alone against the opposition. Just like my hockey team, we have a team of Christians all around us that can encourage us, support us, and even substitute in and take a hit for us. My hockey team play much better and are much more likely to win against the opposition when we've spent some time together beforehand, when we come to a match with a positive, encouraging attitude, and when we have teammates ready to substitute in and help out when things get tough. When we as church community spend time with Jesus and with each other, when we decide that the joy of the Lord will be our strength, no matter the risk, and when we are united as different parts of one body of Christ, the opposition has no chance. Living in the clash of kingdoms is not comfortable. There is a cost to discipleship, but Jesus is our victorious king. We can go into every battle knowing that he's already won the war. Jesus sends sends us out as sheep among wolves, but he is our shepherd, who we can be dependent on. We don't have to be afraid because we can trust him that death is not the end. We can die to ourselves and carry our crosses because Jesus deserves all of our faith and hope and devotion. We can do all the things that God gives us to do through Christ who strengthens us and gives us what we need. So which, which of those is God challenging you to press into today? I'm going to spend some time in ministry now. But let's just take a minute or so of quiet to ponder what he might be saying to you. We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. Why not come along and visit us? We gather at three services across two sites on a Sunday and meet during the week in small groups across the city. More information on both of these can be found on our website. Thanks for listening and God bless.